Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Art of Kindness, where we have compassionate conversations with artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their voice to spread joy and make this big spinning planet in the sky a better place to be. I'm Robert Peter Paul, and I'm so glad you're here. I hope you've been staying well and have been being kind to yourself. I'm so thrilled to bring you an enriching and empowering full interview today with one of my Broadway idols. Now, I hate to play favorites, but this is seriously one of my favorite conversations that I've ever had in my life. I was honored to speak with the one and only Tony-nominated gem of a person, Rob McClure. Rob McClure is an actor and singer who's become a magical fixture on the Broadway scene. Growing up in New Jersey, what what? Rob was a bona fide theater kid, winning the Paper Mill Playhouse Rising Star Award his senior year, which is a coveted award for us Jersey theater kids. Consequently, his first professional gig was at the Playhouse shortly after graduation. Rob made his Broadway debut in 2002 as an understudy in I'm Not Rappaport. From 2006 to 2009, he went on to play several roles in Avenue Q, both on Broadway and on the show's national tour. Rob spent the next three years working on a musical that would put him center stage and change his life forever, Chaplin. The title role earned him a Theatre World Award and his first Tony Award nomination. I most recently watched Rob dayoing his heart out in Beetlejuice on Broadway. Note to self, don't say Beetlejuice two more times. Well, now I can't say it one more time or Beetlejuice will appear. Oh, wait! Ah! It's showtime. <laughs> Rob most recently lit up Broadway as the lead role in Mrs. Doubtfire, a marathon performance that earned him his second Tony nomination. Speaking of... It was just announced that the writer's strike will be affecting the Tony's live telecast this year, which we all love to watch. Please stay tuned after this interview for your kindness tip of the week, where we'll chat a bit more about the writer's strike. Back to Rob. One of the things I love most about him is the childlike sense of play and wonderment he seems to exude through all his projects. We cover so much ground together, from balancing your passions and your personal life to keeping your mindset in a positive space. Of course, Rob also regales us with tons of fun Broadway stories. It's two Robs, one pod. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> huh? <laughs> to see some fun behind-the-scenes content from this interview and so many more, please visit us on Instagram at Art of Kindness Pod and at Rob Peter Paul. If you're enjoying what we're doing here at the AOK, I'd love for you to please leave us a five-star review. Shout out to our latest review from Matt Gilhooley at the Life Shift Podcast. 
Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it more than you know. Now, without further ado, please welcome the remarkable Rob McClure. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? You are punctual. You know what? So are you. You're <laughs> early. What do they say in the theater? If you're not early, you're late. I don't know. <laughs> How's it going? Great. Thanks. Thank you for this. This is fun. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I got to say, I'm going to do a huge intro about you and like your bio and everything later. I won't make you sit here while I do that because I feel Absolutely. like could be a little awkward and I want to maximize our time together. Thank you in advance. Okay, perfect. But I, I do have to say to make things awkward because I am awkward. This is kind of surreal for me because I really look up to you in so many ways in this industry and you're kind of like my Broadway role model. I, I've oh, been called man. like a mini you by people sometimes oh. and I take it as a compliment and uh, not that I'm anything like you, but you That's know, not only your amazing work on stage, but I just admire this life you've carved for yourself outside of it and how you seem to conduct yourself and balance everything, all your passions. So, you know, I could compliment you for hours no, and I'm sure so, I'll keep doing so, it. It's so very sweet of you. And I'm, I'm delighted to talk about it as somebody who's continuing to work on it. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't claim to have anything figured out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like it, but I know it's always a journey for everybody. Course, and it's always exactly just right. a, the process, you know? I love it. But now that I've kind of ambushed you with some compliments, I would love to know, how are you at taking compliments? I mean, you seem to do a pretty good job. I, I You know, you take it in stride, right? Like, I I, I so appreciate um, uh, and anybody caring or noticing about what I'm up to on stage or off. It's very, you know, but I, I, I do tend to go to like, oh, gosh, is that true? Is that true? Have I been doing that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I go, I go to like, did do I earn that compliment? Um, I, you know, I certainly appreciate it, and I, and I never, uh, I try never to take it for granted, you know, because um, I remember, you know, when I was uh, when I was first starting out and waiting at stage doors to say hi to people, and you want that moment to be like, hey, you don't know what you just did means to me, and I remember how much I meant that, and it was just as important as for for me to give that as it was for the person to get it. It was just as um, much a validating transaction for me. So I try not to deny people that transaction by rolling my eyes or thanks or, or you know, that I, I, that's why I, I try to kindly tell people when they go like, I'm sure you get this all the time. Mm. I was like, well, A, you don't. Um, and, and B, I, you feel inclined to share, you know, so it it feels uh, equally as rude to deny you the opportunity to like, because because if you are stopping somebody to say something, you are moved and compelled to do so. You know, it's mm. it's when uh, it's when it seems like they are less interested in the transaction and more interested in the selfie mm -hmm. that I smell that a mile away and go like, yeah. oh, this is actually not about that. This is actually about you going like. This is the company I'm keeping as opposed to any sort of like real human interaction, you know? 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. I mean, it's like everything in the theater. It's that reciprocation, that exchange of love. I mean, if you're on stage and the audience isn't clapping or reacting, they're not doing their part. So it's a similar thing where if you're not accepting that and you're just like, oh no, I gotta go, thank you, bye. Right. It's, right. It, just, it makes it a little bit more uncomfortable for the person, you 100%. know? 100%. Yeah, but we're taught in society to be humble and to not take that all in and let it go to our heads. So it's kind of hard to find that balance. But, you know, I guess all you can do is smile say thank you. Yeah, I mean, I do think, and there is a difference, right, between accepting it and letting it go to your head, right? Mm. I mean, the, the, um, I'm so glad that anything I'm working on moved you in any kind of way. That Mm -hmm. that is a true statement. The notion of like, oh, great. Everyone seems to be saying that it's working. So my work is done here. And I can just sort of coast where I'm at, because I seem to be doing it successfully. That's the I feel like there's a uh, there's a there's a step that goes from like graciously accepting a compliment to it being validation. That means you don't have to strive anymore. It's mm. something that I don't relate to because I I like many people, you know, really, really remain grateful <laughs> because uh, it was hard. Like the the odds were so against me. Mm-hmm. Um, as they are with anyone who tries to do this, right? I mean, some more than others. I am a, a privileged white dude, um, but <laughs> but it's not easy. It n- none of this is easy. You know, the second you go, like, yeah, life in the theater, you're signing up for scrappy ups and downs, right? So, yeah. like, maintaining perspective. I was thinking a lot about this, and because in preparation for this, you know, talking about kindness, mm-hmm. it's easy to like boil it down and be like, be nice, you know? What I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But I started, I was going like, well, in preparation to actually talk about this, like, what what does that mean? And and so often in this industry, like people come and do master classes and be like, be nice or people won't want to work with you. And you're like, wait, wait, time out. If you're only being nice because you want to work again, yeah, you're missing the, you're missing the point. <laughs> yeah, there's such a difference between being nice and being kind. I think. Yeah, yeah. And I think... Uh, I think the thing that resonated most most with me as I was like starting to talk with you is uh, this notion of like perspective, but not just present tense perspective, but cumulative perspective, right? So like trying to maintain the perspective of 15-year-old me waiting at a stage door while mm. now being eight Broadway shows in me. Yeah. And not not losing that piece of myself that had that perspective because it's very easy to to live in present tense perspective um but letting perspective be a cumulative thing i think maintains gratitude in a way that separates kindness from niceties you know mm. that yeah that, that totally makes sense and it is kind of i mean the jokes on people who just aren't kind because it's not why you do it but you do get it back i mean people want to work with kind people like you're saying 100%. people want to be around kind positive people and it is such a hard thing to break into this industry. So once you get there, if you can maintain that, it's super important to keep that perspective going, like you're saying. And I mean, I know we're privileged white dudes, but I I think, I don't even know if I should put a butt there. I just feel like your trajectory was something a little different even to carve out in a musical theater because looking up to you and seeing the roles you were playing, I got to see this kind of like more sensitive, quirky, funny guy that maybe wasn't always the lead in a musical, whereas it was like the the strong name is typical type of I love you for that I love you for that because I wanted to be that yeah you know what I mean like uh, the hero for me my hero growing up 
was the Australian musical theater superstar Anthony Warlow. Mm. Um, he was like, I discovered him on the two disc concept album of Jekyll and Hyde <laughs> when I was 15. Yeah. And he was everything I wanted to be, you know. Um, but it did take like years of trying to be the next him before I figured out what the first me meant. Mm. And, I, and I love uh, I love that you observed the sort of weird, vulnerable, awkward quirkiness inside of me that I had to go like, oh, wait, that's my singular lens. Why am I? Why yeah. am I leaning away from that to sing? This is the moment at an audition. Mm hmm. And not embracing the 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 very things that make me singularly me, you know. Mm. Yeah, the one singular sensation that you are. Yeah. I would say. <laughs> I love yeah. No, I love that, and I'm glad you've embraced you. And I think be before I ask you any more questions, we kind of touched on it, but I would just love to get your definition of kindness. You know, what kindness Ooh. means to you? Um, empathy. I, to me, they are very much intertwined. You know, I think um, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes and therefore show them grace in that, in your interactions. Mm -hmm. um, to give the benefit of the doubt, even when it's hard to. To remember that people have got so much going on under the surface that you don't know about. So um, assume they need the kindness in the moment of your interaction. Because uh, Lord knows there, <clears throat> there are times when I do. Um, yeah, and and what it doesn't mean is avoiding confrontation or hard conversations or mm -hmm. moments of difficulty or advocacy or speaking up when you or others need speaking up for. Kindness is not flying under the radar. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Ki kindness is um, active and participatory, and um, speaking up for a larger collective that's not just yourself you know mm. um, yeah i love that yeah it's it's a hard it's it's a hard thing to define mm. but it is uh it is more rooted in others than it is rooted in sort of instinctive behavior from yourself it, rather than being a kind person mm -hmm. and more about um trying to read in a moment what someone else may need mm. um and the the things you can infer if you pay attention, you know? Mm. Yeah. Paying uh, attention and seeing people. And I mean, we talk a lot on here about the two emotions that everything boils down to, which is love and fear, or that's at least what they wow. say, whoever they are, everything yeah. can kind of just boil down to love or fear. And if you're leading with love, you can still do everything else in life just from that route, you know? So you could still have hard conversations, but they're coming from a place of love. You know, you, you can realize if you get, and I doubt you, if anybody does, I'm a, I'm a report them right now, but if you get any sort of negative comment, you can say, oh, that person's hurting and it's, it's not me. I'm not going to engage really? on social media. So I, I think it's really valuable what you said, because it is hard to define, but also looking at what it's not is, is important oh, and helps us realize what it is. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. 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 And I think leading with love is certainly a wonderful way to put it um and love as an active you know as a verb mm. <laughs> and not a noun yeah. um because it's a uh there are times where it is a choice where it's not your instinct to treat a certain person with love given the way you might infer their their current mood or the way they're treating you or others um but to have that moment 
step back from fear and anger, put yourself in their shoes, and then tactfully reapproach the interaction mm. is far more valuable um, than the moments of blow up. And as silly as this is, I currently I have a four year old right now, mm -hmm. and that like whoa, wh where is she at? What does she need? If I push this button, she'll blow up. If yeah. I step back, I don't want her to think she can treat me that way again. But how do I, I, I don't, I don't want to lean in and get her more upset. So maybe I give her a sec. It's that constant sort of um, self-negotiation in, in anticipation of what I think she might need. And it is, a you know, a microcosm of a far larger exercise in tact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, that that is, uh, you know, you're in a room with a director who's got pressure c coming in from every angle. And you go, okay, I don't want them to blow up. I don't want it. You know what I mean? It's it, yeah, it, yeah. But I need this from them. And I don't want them to push away. But I want to respectfully, it is that yeah. large, larger exercise intact, you know, mm. um, kindness can be strategic, you know what I mean? In yeah. in, in how you are um, uh, do how how you are loving how you are um, being gentle how you are um, not wanting to push someone away how we but it it does require um, navigation you know mm. and uh, and it's mostly based you know it, it, as an actor not to get too cheesy but it is that like I acting cheese so yeah <laughs> but but like acting is reacting right yeah that's not just on stage I think that ha that's also in life right like if if you're just acting 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 how can you be kind if there's no reaction if there's no acceptance of what the other person is giving you and therefore this hmm. um and that's why i tell you know i teach a lot and i and i go work at high schools and middle schools and colleges and i i always give the faculty <laughs> so much love because i really do believe that these are exercises in humanity they're exercises hmm. in empathy and no matter what field these people go into the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. I, I can't think of a more valuable tool, um, mm. regardless of the the field you end up in. Um, and that's why I tell these people, like, there are more and more fields that are scooping up theater people mm. <laughs> who don't do theater. Because a, a, a dear friend of mine has a huge company in the medical industry. And he tells me all the time, if you have any friends who are like, I, you know what, I need a different field right now, please send them my way because I have found that theater people are the people who get things done, who work hard, who treat each other with respect, who are kind, who um, are socially conscious, who are respectful. Like he's just like, they get it. Yeah. And this is someone coming from the corporate medical world. Wow. Um, and I feel like that's happening more and more that people are going like, these people seem to have a, have an ability to see things from someone else's point of view that other people don't. Mm, yeah, because we kind of have this dream that stems from our childhood, at least for me. It's like you want to keep that child in you going. And then you start to add on things. You take classes. You learn the business end. It kind of clouds in your head. And then before you know it, you have this toolkit. And it's sort of like what you're saying in life, which is you have your toolkit and you have to apply different tools for different people because yeah. everything is so subjective. So there's no blanket rule what what works for your kid might not work for my well I only have kittens but they're sleeping right now so I mean they don't listen to me anyway same you know exact what I'm principles yeah yeah exactly come on or it might not work for like a big director when you're interacting and some people even take I found like when you're smiling and you're trying to be kind they don't think it's genuine 
which I think is just like an issue with the world. I'm, I, have you come across that? It's like, I cannot tell you frustrating. I, right now I could pull up probably 50 text messages from people I've worked with Yeah, that are usually two to three weeks after I've started working with them. And it's an apology. Mm. And they go like, Hey, I just want to apologize. Cause for the first 48 hours, I was like, there's no way this is legit. <laughs> um, and then they, you know, and then they end up going like, and I, I, I kind of refused to believe that this sort of like incessant um, optimism could possibly be real. And I'm sorry. And I'm learning that it mm. is. And I, uh, I love you for it. It's a crazy thing because it's not something I'm, I'm actively choosing to do. Yeah. But, but it is sweet after the fact to be like, oh, that's very sweet because the first 48 hours I, I thought you hated me. And now I'm glad you don't. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm a literally, I think we are the same because I, my mind, and I have to train myself not to go there, but I'm like, this person hates me. They, oh, they totally. Hate me. Come know? on. And we all, not true. <laughs> I, as hard as it is, right? We all, we all have middle school us in there, right? Yeah. Like cumulative perspective, right? There's still par a part of you that has the perspective of like, I, I I, why don't you like me? I, I'm trying to, and you know, therapists have helped me realize that there are instances where you have to be okay yeah. with, with someone not liking you. You have to, mm. you have to, that has to be okay with you and you need to be able to move on yeah. without the need for their acceptance or liking you. Um, mm. But that is, that, that's a human want. You know, I remember being in therapy and saying like, it feels gross to say like, I wanted them to like me. And she was yeah. like, why? <laughs> but wait, what? Like, why is that gross? That people, people want, that's a basic human need. I was like, yeah. Are we allowed to think that? <laughs> yeah. No, it, cause then you're like, you go into these rehearsal rooms sometimes, especially if it's for a workshop or whatever it is, a, a tighter process. And there's certain people that unfortunately would rather kind of shit talk the process and things going on and get into a negative space where we're sitting there maybe like puppies, like just trying to be friends with everybody. And it, it is hard not to take it personally. So it's good to hear that other people experience that. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I feel like with the, with the rising of the internet, because I have mm -hmm. been around long enough now uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, um, I feel like it is now um, a cool thing to hate on other things. Mm. You know, I, and, and as, as ridiculous as this example is, the first time I remember it was Titanic. The movie Titanic came out mm -hmm. and the entire world went, oh my God, A, how did they do that? How did they, how did computers make that boat underwater? Uh -huh. how, how did that guy fall off the side of the boat and hit his legs on the propeller and spit? how did they do that nothing was like jennifer that. coolidge no sorry yeah, yeah. <laughs> spoiler alert sorry about that spoiler alert spoiler alert but you know what i mean like how did they do yeah. that and then celine dion singing this crazy song that's on z100 every three minutes and that everybody loves and then like two weeks later there was nothing cooler than a high school kid who hated titanic mm. and it and in my mind i remember going like wait why oh wait you just want to be the it's a thing you can do that will differentiate yourself from the masses. Mm. That's what I'm recognizing yeah. the BS value you're creating in just not wanting to be a person who enjoys something that other wow. people. And I feel like I have watched that carry over into 
far more mainstream examples where it is the person who can come up with the fastest, wittiest, biting quip after something beloved arrives is is uh, is the thing that's retweeted the most mm. and the thing that is shared the most to get somebody to giggle at their vicious bite. Mm. The, what's the wittiest, sarc most sarcastic, yeah. or something that's thriving down. Um, and it's easy. It's an easy, cheap way to differentiate yourself when something else is being loved on that I just, I, I recognize since I was a teenager and I just call BS on, I just think wow. it's, it's an empty, uh, it's an empty play at self different, uh, differentiation. Mm, you're so right. And I don't know if with like the chicken or the egg, which came first, I mean, the egg obviously came first, but I don't know if it started with the media or with people, because I think it goes down to a money thing. I mean, I, started this podcast as one of my day jobs has always been writing for these entertainment magazines. We have AB testing all year round, but during the pandemic, I was seeing such a negative onslaught of news that everybody was reading and feeling. And on our website, you can AB test. And so I saw directly how all these salacious headlines were the ones people were clicking. But on the other side, people were clicking really, really positive headlines. Like look at Hillary Duff's baby photos, see the Royal Wedding album. So I knew there was like a, a market to showcase all the wonderful things people in our business are doing. And I woke up and, and thought of this idea, but I do wonder if it goes back to a money-making thing for the media, because like you're saying, everyone's posting this hot topic. I mean, even with the rise to famous celebrities, like a Jennifer Lawrence, she was the best. Everyone loved her. She was saying zany things on TV shows. Then, you know, a year later, it's like all these things are terrible about her. And it's just an unfortunate cycle that I think we've, probably fallen into. And I think the thing that magnifies it and has made it ultimately worse is that the internet has given uh, a false sense of anonymity to those people. Mm -hmm. So as whereas before, if you said like, I hate this thing or this person because of this quippy, witty insult with your name next to it, there was a larger risk attached to that. Mm -hmm. But if I can get a, a trillion retweets on that as silly guy 45 yeah how did you know my username see i know i knew it i knew it <laughs> that that person yeah can hide behind that right like I, i'm i'm again old enough to remember when like aol chat rooms showed up yeah and the first thing was like whoa i can talk to someone on the other side of the planet this is cool and by day three it was like your mother's a whore send yeah because because people could oh my gosh, there's a thrill of a conflict where there's no consequence. So mm -hmm. I can just spew bile into this machine in front of me as an exercise in self-deferentiation yeah. and make me feel like I have impacted someone in any way, be it negative or positive. Because if I don't mm -hmm. feel like I have a positive impact on the world, maybe I can make this kind of impact. Give me, give mm -hmm. me some way that I am changing someone's day, e even if it's negatively i feel like people yeah. just want to feel like they're landing on someone else in any way yeah um, and that Amazing. anonymity has provided a shield that i that i think is not our friend i agree not our friend at all unfriend and i think it's hard to come from the other place a lot of people don't want to because they don't want to be vulnerable and being kind and showing love requires vulnerability so it is yeah. easier it's like reaching for the candy instead of the banana it's a lot easier to just spew that stuff and it's a vicious cycle because then you know we teach our kids 
don't talk to strangers. I mean, there's a lot of validity in those things that we're teaching our kids, yeah. but it hardens them. So it's like a, it's hard to find that balance. It's totally, it's crazy. totally. But I, I really, really wanted to ask you about something you put out there that went viral, that made the newsfeed a little bit more positive and got a lot of traction, which I was so excited about. I think you got to write in the New York Times about it. I can provide maybe more context about it in your intro just for the sake of time, but sure. I really did want to ask you about seat D8 during your run. Of oh, yeah, no, that was that was such a beautiful thing. I mean, how did that come about? What made you moved to leave that beautiful note for this stranger? I really do remember um, the first day we moved into the Winter Garden Theater for tech. And I had totally forgotten, you know, as you're moving into these theaters, one of the things that I love to do is explore the legacy of the theater that I'm performing in. Hmm. Um, when I was at the Barrymore in uh, Chaplin, just sitting there and going like, ooh, somebody kept records of everyone who's had this dressing room before me. Oh my God, Sidney Poitier was in my dressing room. Like these these incredible, you know, um, and as you're, as you're going through, you're just going, you feel the legacy in the walls, you know, it's an, it's an amazing gift. Yeah. And, and I, we were moving into the winter garden and I was like, right. The winter garden has had these amazing, you know, the original run of funny girl, the original run of West side story. Like, wow. Oh my God. The very first time someone sang tonight, tonight was here. I remember mm. there was a day we were teching and, uh, Sophia and Caruso was singing dead mom. Oh, so good. And I was sitting upstage. And I was like during tech and I said, hey, Sophia. And she turned around and I said, you're standing where Barbara Streisand used to finish people. And she started crying. Oh, my like, goodness. Just moments of being like, hey, ju just so you know. That's just, nuts. Just so you know. You know what I mean? Like, I might what? have been there that I was in and out. I used to work with David Corrins. I was like his social oh, media amazing. guy. Amazing. Yeah. So I, I was there when they were doing the initial sketches and stuff. I was in and out. But I remember with Beetlejuice, since it's such a huge show, like the tech was was wild for that. Just a, the, the number of laptops that were open in the audience during yeah. hundreds. Um, but anyway, so I'm so I'm on stage and I'm just going like, oh yeah, looking through the legacy of this theater, and then going like, right, and of course, Cats ran here forever. Wait, mm. uh, my first Broadway show ever was a sixth grade field trip to see Cats. I sat up there, and then I I I run the seats as a warm up. I've done it. It started in. Um, 2010, I was doing what was then Limelight, what would become Chaplin at mm. the La Jolla Playhouse. And we had an 8.30 a.m. student matinee. Wow. And no, I was no, like, no, no, no. And I got to the theater and I was like, this is not going to, this is not going to happen. I, I'm going to start, I'm going to try to sing the first note and it's just not going to happen. So I panicked and I just started running the seats like a sports stadium. I ran row A, B, C, D, E, F, <laughs> went up to the balcony, did the whole balcony, did a little vocal warm up and ran back down. And I was like, whoa, that that worked. Um, and then that night I was like, that I just felt so clicked into my breath support. I'm going to do that again. I did it for the night show and I have done it for every performance of every show I've ever done since. I love that. Um, whether it was the 200 seat theater where I was just doing Little Shop of Horrors or whether it's the 12,000 seat Muni, which used to take 70 minutes to run. Oh, yeah. I would do it. It just it was a, a super fun and a great way to connect to the space, a great way to uh I used to like put my hand out and touch every seat. Um, and, it was a, and it was a way to, and I also love to learn the seat map mm. so that I can go backstage and be like, hey, stage manager, D117 is filming. Oh, yes. <laughs> I feel like I would get OCD with that. I would like have to touch every seat. Really? And then I'd be like, D, 
Totally. Oh my gosh. What a great skill. Yeah. 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 F7 doesn't have their mask on. Uh, (laughs) F5 um, just looks mean. They're knitting. Exactly. Um, But anyway, so I'm out there. And uh, that day when I ran the seats, I got up there and I was like, oh my God, this is totally where I sat. Um, And I remembered seat D8. And I was like, I think I still have that ticket stub somewhere. Um, and I, I, I've kept every ticket stub and playbill ever because I'm sentimental that way. Same. Um, and uh, and I just the remember playbill binders, my, like the big playbill. I have these cardboard uh, boxes from IKEA labeled on the front in a like closet. It's like my playbills, Broadway playbills, regional playbills, touring playbills, school playbills. It's like all labeled. I can send you a video. It's that's a dream. Please do. We recently moved, and my wife just got married. Is like we need to get rid of these. We we have these big like bins, and they're all filled with playbills. She was like, I love it. To please, like we they're taking up space. (laughs) They're really special. (laughs) <laughs> Congratulations on getting married. Thank you so much. Um, but uh, so I was, so I just remember sitting there and then we were approaching opening night and I was running the seats and I just, the idea just popped into my head. I was like, you know, when I was sitting in that seat, already confronted by those naysaying voices who wanted to differentiate themselves, mm-hmm. like it was real cool on the bus ride home from Cats to be the kid going like, that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen, right? That there was no one cooler on the bus mm. than the kid shitting on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. While I'm sitting there going like, people get paid? What, what is happening? Like I, a world was being introduced to me, right? And I just remember thinking like, it was completely mind-numbingly against all odds that I would ever be doing that thing that I was watching. It seemed so unattainable. It seemed like getting to the moon. It was like the, the furthest thing from possible for me. And the fact that I was about to open a new Broadway show on that stage, I just remember thinking like, gosh, if anybody out in the audience is going like, God, I would love to do that, but they, there's no way. Your odds were no greater than mine on that field trip. Hmm. So I just remember thinking like, I'm just going to leave a little note. I'm going to scotch tape it to the seat. And just say like, hey, I don't know what your dreams are, but I want you to know this was my dream and I'm going to be opening this show tonight. And that's the seat I sat in. Um, so whatever it is that seems unfathomable to you, it's not. Mm. Um, and I took a, and I took a really quick uh, photo and put it on my Instagram. Um, not for any other reason than to just be like, this was a sweet thing I tried to do tonight. And I think that's important. I think it's important to post those things. And getting back to your point about the internet is that for every angry response I posted during the political nightmare that was 2016 and on, Mm -hmm. I thought I was sharing intelligent, passionate arguments that would not get beyond the walls of my friends, right? Mm-hmm. But, but one genuine act of kindness exploded, truly exploded. I woke up the next morning to my phone on fire and and a phone call from the New York Times. Wow. Like, wait, what? I mean, I, I genuinely, well, I had no idea that this had happened, why it happened, what what had happened. So I did end up writing this this article for the New York Times where I was just saying like the point of it was that I think I opened with the line, um, when did sentimental become a bad word? Mm. And it's like, there is something about like, you know, how many critics 
love to say that a show is cloyingly sweet, trying mm-hmm. too hard, um, sentimental mush, whatever. Like mm-hmm. there, there is a difference between, you know, um, you know, being sugar-coated for sugar-coated sake and mm-hmm. just uh, having a positive outlook on the world or the, the way your show wraps up, you know? Um, and I think, again, it's those, it's those people, it's the kids on the bus coming home from cats, a lot of whom become critics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and what critic does, what critic doesn't want to have the sassiest takedown headline the night after something opens, you know, it's a competition. Um, and fighting those voices that that post and what happened with that post was proof to me that people are drowning in that cynicism mm. and anytime they catch a glimpse of genuine optimism or kindness they swim out of it as hard as they can and they latch on to it mm. and it was a moment where i was like oh again just like trying to be anthony warlow it was like yeah. oh that was a moment where i listened to my sort of singular lens on the world despite naysayers Mm. And people went like, ooh, something genuine, something yeah. uh, something authentically kind. Mm-hmm. And they grab it. Um, and it's a, uh, I could have never anticipated what that would do. And that that sort of fueled um, what I went on to do in the pandemic, which is was this conductor series online that was sort of rooted in silliness and kindness and fun and optimism and then became much more socially conscious Um but it was it was again finding a way to listen to my singular voice and and try and uh, shout kindness into the void and humor into the void to try and battle the doom scrolling, which is not mm-hmm. easy. No. Um, but but when you strike a chord, people people really do jump. They they desperately want something to latch on to. You know? Yeah, it was like a raft in a sea of negativity. I mean, oh, just nice. a, a burst of sunshine. I mean, the things that you're doing. And do you know Claiborne Elder with with his story of kindness? Clay, I mean, Clay Elder is one of the most extraordinary humans I've ever met in my life. Oh, yeah. He's he's such an incredible guy. Truly. I've gotten to know him a bit and just what he's doing now and how he's transformed that into a an initiative. He's and something he, that might keep growing is truly one of the one of the most extraordinary people he he, uh he jumps out to me jen colella jumps out to me yes there are are people who just um who lead with such uh active kindness not Mm -hmm. not just like oh they're nice i i heard that i heard that person's nice Mm -hmm. then you check up on them and they're like oh yeah because they are leading a campaign to whatever you know that's what i mean about love being a verb oh yeah love is an action verb that's something my nanny actually always says but you're you're one of them too and and I, I think it's just so special what you're doing because we need that, especially after this crazy time. And I think it is our time because I have found that these kind of cheesy, positive shows are what people are watching and what they want to see in addition to this other stuff. But, you know, like during the pandemic, all these Hallmark movies and kind of funny, just like sugary things are, are what people turn to for comfort. So it, it's just silly to me because we can apply that in real life and we can try our best to live like that without being... I guess toxic positivity is a thing, but you know, without kind of simmering into that. Yeah. I think it becomes toxic when I think it becomes toxic when it does not allow people to voice their struggles. Mm-hmm. Right. When it's like, be a good yeah. sport. That's not yes. love. Love is not forcing someone else to shut up when they have a concern. Mm. Love is listening and acting on their concern and validating their concern. 
You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So this toxic positivity becomes like, don't make waves, shut up and be nice. Yeah. That's not, that's not love. That's not kindness. That is toxic mm -hmm. positivity, right? Um, yeah. Positivity for positivity's sake. Um, you know, uh, and notice that it's like, yeah, being positive while validating others, because if, if you're invalidating someone else's experience, then, then I, I don't think there's yeah. anything positive about that. Well, I think it was brilliant that you used the word force, because I think positive actions and kindness are a force for change, but they shouldn't be forced. So if you're forcing someone, then that's maybe when it falls into being toxic, among other things like you just mentioned. But I really am just so curious after looking at the article and I tried to reread it again, but I realized, oh, I didn't have my subscription to the New York Times. So I can read the whole thing <laughs> so you again. Read, you can read the first paragraph before one yeah. let you scroll anymore. Oh my gosh. I and I try to scroll so quickly or I screen record it and I'm like, no, but I, I did remember, I think the last time when it first came out and I read it, you had said you didn't know who the person that sat there was and you never found out. Did you ever find out? No. And I, and I actually love that. Yeah. I love that. I love that it just vanished into the ether and and that somebody that um that the the person who read it knows hmm. uh but that they might not be a theater person they might not be a person who wants to share their you know if they say it was me then somebody might say well what is your dream are you going to chase your dream and they're not hmm. ready for that you know what i mean it could yeah. be somebody who um who rolled their eyes. It might've been those kids on the back of the bus at cats who rolled their eyes mm. and threw it in the trash can who uh, then maybe read about it online or saw it later and goes like, Oh wait, should I have done something with that? But now doesn't want to share. Who knows? Right. Yeah. Who knows? Um, but whatever it was, it's okay. It's exactly where it was supposed to have gone. Um, and now luckily thanks to the traction that it got, which I could have never imagined or didn't intend on, uh, lots of people got to read it. You it know? was so beautiful. And and so, I mean, I remember reading it and it filled me with not only love, but inspiration to then get up and and work on my self-tape or, or whatever it was, or sign up for a class. You know, I, I feel like I could go down so many rabbit holes with you. I, I did <laughs> want to ask you, you know, besides we were talking about this wonderful, I, I thought that was a beautiful act of kindness or example of something that you've done in addition to many things that I've heard from like mutual friends and just people talking about you, you have this kind of beautiful reputation. I would love to know if you could share an act of kindness on Broadway that you've experienced or something that's stuck with you from, you know, Beetlejuice to something rotten to Mrs. Doubtfire, which I'm so upset I didn't get to see because of the shutdown, but uh, I had tickets for Christmas and I had oh, the mug. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm I so the sorry. hello mug. Oh, then, I love it. Yeah. I love it. And I also was going to coincidentally be her for Halloween even before the Broadway show came out, but then I couldn't do it anyway. <laughs> I would just, it's not about me. I would just love to no, know I love it. I love if you it. have any stories to share. Yes, for sure. One of the most profound ones for me was uh, when I was in high school, when I first started falling in love with theater, I grew up in New Jersey. Same. And I used to take, uh, where? Chatham? Yeah, Central Jersey, the Chatham Players. Susie Spidell, good friend of mine, directs oh, a lot. No way. Does the annual Christmas Carol at the Chatham Play. At the, oh, the, uh, yes. Community Theater. Yes, love. I have so many friends that have done shows oh. there. And then I think Montclair, I saw you've done a lot of theater I went, I, in. I went to MSU, yeah. Yes. Do you teach yeah. there? Because I know so many I, people. I've gone back there. to do masterclasses and stuff. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's amazing. Um, yeah. But uh, so I used to take the New Jersey Transit bus into TKTS mm -hmm. and get whatever was on TKTS and then uh, and then go see shows. Um, I was I was part-timing 
baking bagels at 4.30 in the morning before high school, so wow. just trying to save some money, but spending it all on going to see shows. Yes, Jersey um, bagels are the best, it, by it, the way. So yeah, they are. Say that. And rolled kettle boiled, just saying. Um, yes. and, <laughs> and I used to take the bus in all the time. So I went and saw the Steppenwolf production of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Gary Sinise. And it was a Wednesday matinee. Uh, and I was absolutely bowled over by it. And I waited at the stage door. And because it was a Wednesday matinee and all the other old folks got on the bus and to go back to the nursing homes, I was the only one waiting at the stage door. And Gary Sinise came out. I had just done my first play ever, which was Anything Goes in high school, mm. cheesy musical. And he came out the stage door and I said, I, I just started acting. I cannot believe you just did what you just did. And the notion that you have to do it again in a couple of hours is I'm, I, I don't even. And Gary Sinise very kindly said, uh, hey, just so you know, speaking of which, because our show is like three hours long, my break on a two show day is actually pretty short. Um, so I have to run and get lunch. Do you mind walking and talking? He took me to the Starlight Deli on 44th Street between wow. 8th Avenue and Broadway, bought me an egg salad sandwich and stood at a counter with me for an hour and asked me all about what I had done, what I want to do, what what is it that I want to end up doing? And just just listened, oh, just wow. listened and was could not have been kinder. I have never gotten to meet or see him since, but I would love to tell him oh. that 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 story. um again, maintains that cumulative perspective, right? So when there's a kid at the stage door who's like, Mr. McClure, I really want to thank you. It's so easy to be the Titanic people and roll my eyes at that kid, except I am that kid. Mm -hmm. So the, the notion that uh, in that moment, and that doesn't mean there are days where you don't have to catch a train. You, you, you have oh, to yeah. set personal boundaries, right? Um, but it does mean taking a moment, looking at them in the eyes and letting them know that their dreams are valid and what they experienced tonight is valid. And I thank them for their kindness and the fact that they waited in the cold to say I did a good job. I don't take for granted. It, it doesn't take long, you know? Mm -hmm. um, even if you come out and you say to 150 people waiting, um, I have a four-year-old at home and I have to go relieve a babysitter, but I love each and every one of you and I cannot believe you waited for my autograph. If yeah. you send the play go to the theater, I'll sign it back and mail it to you. I'm sorry. People yes. people recognize authenticity and they and they thank you for it. It doesn't mean that you have to take it 45 minutes with each person because we're humans, right? Um, but what Gary Sinise did for me that day has forever impacted that cumulative perspective uh, since. Wow. That is so special and I can't wait to edit this so I can listen to that again. But I feel like now you are leading these shows and because of that interaction, it's informed how you're treating not only, you know, your cast members and while you're working on the show, but like you said, the people at the stage door. And I, I think it is so important to lead with kindness because of that, because we're consistently spreading it and it's contagious, but so is the other stuff. So we got to lean into that. Yeah. I love too that you just mentioned personal boundaries which I think gets a bad rep because it feels like you're being mean, not that you are, but like just in general. Yeah. And I think there is a way to do that positively, especially for yourself. One of the hardest things to do, but the most important I think is to be kind to yourself, especially in this business. So when you're teaching these students, at, now that I've kind of given you a circuitous way of getting to my question, I don't even know if it makes sense. Not at all. How do you, how do you teach your students to 
be kind to themselves because that's something they don't teach in a lot of these institutes and classes. And then once you start auditioning, you realize that's your biggest hurdle, man, is not, yeah. oh, I look so ugly. Oh, I, I sounded inauthentic. I, I need another take. I need another take. It's so hard to get out of your own head. Yeah. I remember um, my wife is an actress as well. She's brilliant. Hmm. And there will be times where she gets down on herself like we all do, right? You go on an audition, you don't get the thing, you start to beat yourself up. And I would find myself like yelling at her. Mm -hmm. Will you stop doing that? And she's like, wait, but I do what doesn't help is you then disciplining me for being down on myself. Mm -hmm. And I, what I would say to her is, A, I hear you and I'm sorry. And B, if anyone else was saying to you, what you're saying to yourself, I would be, it would be hard for me to not rip them apart. Mm -hmm. Stop. We have enough people coming for us or, you know, there's enough valleys between the peaks. Mm -hmm. Do not be another negative voice in your life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so I'm not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the person who's hurting my wife's feelings. <laughs> yes, I love. You that. know what I mean? Like that's such a great I, shift. I, 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 and I, I. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that I shouldn't do it. I shouldn't do it. But I was. But the point. It's hard. The point is when I'm teaching these kids, do not be another voice in the void, telling you you can't. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like uh, that doesn't mean you can't critique yourself. You can, but this voice that like anything that gets you down starts to starts to inflate self-doubt or or uh um your value or your worth you know mm -hmm. i try to i try to tell my students often you can be worthy of something while being not right for it mm. you have to maintain your worth despite whether or not you were right for something some things or thousands of things Mm. you can be worthy of those things and just not right for them. And that's okay. It's when your worth starts to crumble as a result of those things you're not right for. That's um, it's just not true. You know what I mean? It, 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 um, and now you being worthy of it is provided that you've studied, you've trained, you're being kind, you're prepared, you show up on time, all, all the thing, because there, then you might not be worthy. <laughs> but yeah. if you're, but if you are putting in the the work, which most people who are in love with this do, yeah, uh, then they then they are, you know. But it, it it is that thing where, you know, try not to be your own critic, you know. Try not mm -hmm. to be your own voice in the back of the bus shitting on cats. Don't <laughs> don't uh, you know? It's it's very hard. And and then also you know talking about being kind to yourself. One of the things I think these people who uh, who rag on. Um, boundaries hmm. one of the things they don't understand is if i'm gonna sit here and talk to you all about kindness and how i how i'm rooted in kindness but my wife who's home with my four-year-old and has been throughout the performance that night who desperately wants me to get home from my show to tag out with the kid so she can make dinner or go do something she has to do or hmm. or just because she's exhausted and needs a break and I take two hours at the stage door to build up those folks. And I get home and I've abandoned my partner or I wasn't there for bedtime for my kid or I wasn't mm -hmm. there to help make dinner for my kid. Then what what actual example of kindness am I? Yeah. So, so just understanding that people are trying not only to be kind to you, 
but to their partners, to their children, to their families, to their obligations, to their other things that they have going on. And people need to be able to, uh, to be kind in all aspects of those. So in an effort to be kind to someone else, I might have to say to you, thank you so much. I have to run. Mm. And I would hope that if you're leading with kindness, you would go like, totally. Thanks for taking the time. Yes. Um, but it's the people who think that uh, a half an hour comes with their ticket price mm -hmm. of after the show time that I then go like, wait, you, you don't get it. You don't get it. There's we, we, we have to be fully fleshed out human beings. I can't. Uh, there are nights where I'm going to have the time to sit and try and encourage you. Um, but there are going to be times where I have other obligations and I, and I, yeah. I would hope that people would recognize that. Yeah. I think that goes back to, to giving people the benefit of the doubt of knowing, oh, this is a genuine person. He has somewhere to be. He has, he has to go to his family. I mean, because we do, for some reason, always go to that negative. I mean, even with ourselves, it's like, yes. how many negative thoughts do we get in a day? First of all, how many things are we wrong about in our brains during the day? Why would we be right about the fact that we suck, you know, just statistically yes. speaking? So it is kind of making friends with those thoughts and then just keeping that authenticity going. But you kind of brought up something that I really admire about you offstage, which is that you seem to have, and nobody has found this perfectly, I don't think, otherwise they would have a best-selling book that we would all follow and probably not be able to actually replicate because it's subjective. H how have you found that balance between striking a, a fine balance between like your arts, your passion, but also your main passion and love your family? Because I think that's something this industry isn't always so sympathetic to and doesn't allow. I mean, we have these huge weeks during the holidays. It's like there's 10 shows sometimes in a, a week. It's just, it's great to see people that are doing that. And I know you even are able to kind of commute and go back to Pennsylvania to be with your family and kind of get out of the city, which is something I've always been drawn to. I mean, I live near the city, but in Connecticut, and I, I like to kind of have that where I can go back yes. to my normal life. 100%. Yeah. So how, how have you found that balance? I mean, I know it's probably a work in progress, but. I'll be honest with you. I suck at that balance. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My wife is one of the most remarkable people I alive, and she is wonderful at um, leading with grace in making me see when I say yes to everyone but her. Mm. Right. So we do. We, we're taught in this business. Right. Say yes. Say yes. Don't make waves. Say yes. And it's mm. easy. It's easy when you graduate college and you have nowhere to be, right? You're 21. You're single. You just graduated. And hey, would you want to run spotlight for this community theater product? Yes. I'll learn mm -hmm. how to I'll learn how to be a spot op. Hey, can you come direct the musical at your old high school for four years, which I did. And it's some of the most valuable time wow. in my life. Um, I think I learned more about storytelling at, in theater as an art form from doing that and because I would get to that high school. At, I was a substitute English teacher at the high school so that I could direct the plays at night. Wow. I would get to that school at seven o'clock in the morning and I would leave at 11 o'clock at night. And it was my whole world, right? Mm. And then you start to build your life. You start to get a, a maybe a partner or partners. You start to have children or a, a kid obligations, take people taking care of their parents, people were taking it. And all of a sudden you have a larger perspective, that cumulative perspective we were talking about, right? Mm. And someone like Maggie uh, hears me or vice versa, 
on the phone going like, yes, I'll do that thing. Sure, I'll do that thing. Yes, I'll do that thing. Sure, I'll do that thing. And she goes like, hey, when am I supposed to do the thing that I, because we have a four-year-old, mm. when am I supposed to do the thing? And you realize like, oh, part of being a good partner is saying yes to her. <laughs> part of being a good father is saying yes to Sadie. And maintaining that means saying no to this press opportunity, to this, to performing on this show, to doing this 54, be- you know, you know how many 54 yeah. below shows I would be a part of if I didn't have oh, a chance? I can only imagine. We're celebrating the Muppets. We're celebrating Mel Brooks. Oh. We're celebrating that. I would, I would, it'd be so fun. Yeah. But I need to say yes to Sadie. I need to say yes to Maggie. And Maggie has been such a force for good in my life in terms of um, saying yes professionally is wonderful. But sometimes saying no professionally is what is needed to say yes personally. Mm. And, and and that is a balance that I fully credit her with. Uh, and it doesn't mean it wasn't messy. It doesn't mean that there, we both didn't screw up and, and overbook ourselves. And uh, we deal with it every day. Mm. but we know what the target is. You know what I mean? We know we're much more vocal about what we need from each other now than yeah. we were in the beginning. Um, and that it's, it is really, really, I, I don't claim to have it figured out, but when you have an amazing partner who, uh, who can hold up a mirror to you sometimes and go like, I need help or, or I'm seeing you run yourself ragged. You know what you need to do tomorrow? Sleep. Mm. And you go like, <laughs> what's that? Yeah. Yes, I do. You're right. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you need somebody who knows you more than you know yourself mm. uh, to be able to put an arm around your shoulder and go like, you need to say no. <laughs> mm. Well, you're making me feel lucky because now I feel like I have I have found that. You're reminding me of all the ways my you. wife does that for me. And awesome. It, it's such a hard thing. I mean, that was such wonderful, valuable advice. But it to me, it stems right back to balance. I mean, people say find balance and it's this ethereal entity that you don't know how to find, but it is kind of like you're saying yes to work. So then you should balance that out by saying yes to home. Every yeah. time my wife is my, she hates it, but my reader for a self tape, it's like, okay, I'm going to say yes to then baking brownies with you after or going on a walk with or doing the laundry or whatever it is. Yeah, it, that That's super helpful. And those are things again, that we don't really necessarily get classes on but are equally important because you can run yourself ragged like you're saying i totally want to respect your time and your boundaries i just want to make sure we have time quickly to play a surprise game i love it if you're down yes of course okay cool it's not much of a game honestly rob but it's called (laughs) the compliment game insert cheesy theme song everyone's beautiful in their own way it's the compliment game on the AOK. it's the compliment 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 game i love it oh i might just keep that one honestly instead basically because you haven't got enough compliments already i reached (laughs) out to somebody in your life who knows you for a compliment about you or just like a quick kind of loving statement, but it had to be specific. So hopefully you can guess it. I'm going to read you that statement. And this one came with specific instructions. So forgive me. And you just have to guess who said that. And I don't know much, but I'll try and give you hints. If you ask me yes or no questions, we'll say you get three guesses. People freak out if there's no rules, but there, there really are no rules. So I love this game. Okay. Yay. Okay. I'm going to read this. And this person, when I say this person got right back to me, this person got right back to me in a second, which is so nice. Okay. 
Oh, I feel like it's about me because it says Rob. Okay. <laughs> Rob is so positive, kind, and giving. He always has time for people. If someone is in trouble, he goes out of his way to make sure they are okay. And it isn't in a performative way. He doesn't announce it. It is secret. And it's just who he is. He is so generous. I think his daughter might say too generous. Daddy, my college, please save some money for my college. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh. It's said in a British accent for that part. I am delighted to say that this is Carrie Butler. It is. It is the one and only Carrie Butler. <laughs> and, and a Broadway icon, as are you. Broadway icon, Carrie Butler. That is so unbelievably sweet of her to say. Um, she she too is somebody who like is uh under the radar kind you know what i mean who is like subversively chipping away at cynicism oh <laughs> like she's really uh she's somebody who's like hey do you want some basil and you go like sure where did you get basil i'm growing it in my dressing room <laughs> like what yeah my dressing room doesn't get great light so i bought a lot of like vegetable things that will like grow veggies in my dressing room but it also provides some light and you're like who are you <laughs> Butler? um she's like oh yeah and by the way i uh i bought 10 different types of hot sauces and i want you to come in my dressing room and we'll do like taste tests and have fun oh and my God. So she um per, she did an easter egg hunt in the winter garden so anyone in the building who had children could bring their children to the theater to go on an easter egg hunt on easter morning before our matinee like just that's magical that's who we're dealing with um oh. but she uh she, she what she's referring to was a time when uh we were in washington dc doing the out-of-town trial for beetlejuice mm -hmm. and anytime uh so we a group of us went to a casino outside of dc together and anytime i was like at a poker table or a blackjack table or on a slot machine Carrie Butler would come over, <laughs> lean over my ear as the voice of my daughter saying, please, daddy, don't gamble away my college money, please, daddy. <laughs> now, why does my daughter have a Cockney accent? I'll never know. But, <laughs> but now, now I, that was the dead giveaway. But oh um, my goodness. to have her say that about me is a, is, means a lot because she is a prime example of that type of uh, kindness. And she also is... Um, kind of miraculously good at evading uh shady gossip mm, you know what I mean? anytime that anytime that energy is bubbling up in the building and people are enjoying it and i think you know what i mean by that where all yeah. of a sudden there's like juice you know what i mean like ooh, ooh, mm -hmm. there's like tea hang on one second i'm <laughs> myself throw up I'm gonna need to make yeah. some of that throat coat yeah. tea after this. For my yeah, audition. exactly. That's, yeah. The only, that's the only type of tea I'm interested in, frankly. Yeah. Um, but the like, ooh, there's some tea. Mm -hmm. uh, and everybody goes like, ah. Yeah. Um, Carrie's like, I'm gonna go get some tomatoes from my dressing room. Like, mm -hmm. just not interested in fueling that. Mm. You know what I mean? And I think that is such a valuable, um, such a valuable thing, you know, like the notion that. If if Gary Sinise had come out of that theater and said what most college professors say, which is it's really hard. It's probably impossible. You're five foot seven. You're too short. Hmm. You're uh, <laughs> you, you should probably go to the gym. 
Uh, you should probably get a voice teacher and try and be a tenor because they're only interested in people who can belt bees. Uh, you should, um, uh, the odds of this are really against you. So you should have mm -hmm. uh, three backup plans. Um, you should uh, stop moving your face, put your eyebrows down. Stop moving your face. <laughs> uh, don't move your hands. Um, if there's anything else in your life that makes you happy, do that because this is not going to work out for you. And even if it does, mm. it's a crazy road that you're going to hate it. You're not going to know how to pay your bills. You're not going to know how to, you know, you, if he had said that, if he or if he had said, you know what was happening backstage today? There's a stage manager who's hooking up with a such and such. And it's such a mess. <laughs> these people are so dramatic. And these people and, and it's a it's just like high school and they all gossip about each other. And the cast hates the crew and the crew hates the cast. <sighs> I would have run screaming in any other direction. Yeah. But what Gary Sinise said is, do you love it? Yeah. Then you'll figure it out. Mm. And you go like, wait. <laughs> so when you get into that theater, and I know that there are 15-year-old Beetlejuice fans waiting at the stage door going, you know what must be inside that stage door? Fucking paradise. Mm -hmm. And we're back there subversively shitting on each yeah. other which is not i will i will say beetlejuice was a super healthy environment i'm just using it as an example mm -hmm. but anytime we lean into the the uh, you know um cutting anybody else down even if it's another show right oh we all hear such and such is closing it's about time how did that thing stay open mm. business is hard enough you know it's hard enough without enjoying cutting each other down and uh, Carrie is a prime example of somebody who just doesn't subscribe to it. Yes. Just, 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 and doesn't also won't be like, you're all jerks. I can't stand that you do yeah. that. Just removes herself. And in doing so makes a louder statement than people who scream into the void. Yeah. Know? And actually preaching about it. Like, I mean, you're so right. And it is kind of sad. I mean, we had somebody here, we had some friends over recently and when everyone was leaving, they just said, that was so fun. And we didn't even gossip and there was nothing negative. And I thought, Interesting. <laughs> why why uh, would there, is that what we're used to? I don't know what was going on, but it, it, it is a something you're taught to do. And I guess it's from school or whatever it is. And it's hard to lean out of that, but you just made me think of a weird idea, which is like, while the stage door is closed, what about, what if we get like ring doorbell, we pop a ring doorbell on the theater doors and all these kids and people that are excited to see the show or just saw it can go up and leave you guys messages. Someone monitors it. And then there's these positive messages where once a week, you're watching and you're kind of reminded the whole point of, of what we're doing because you really hit the nail on the head when describing an audience experience, which is someone sitting there. First of all, someone's first show for the first time always. And it's someone's probably last show for the yep. last time, yep. which is redundant. But they're sitting there saying, it must be so magical back there. It must be paradise. They're flying through trap doors and, and all this stuff. And then we're like burping off stage, just had lunch. And we're like, oh, got to do another one or whatever it is. That's um, it. That, that is that is the very root of um, why I choose to stay positive, right? Because it might be my 380th performance of a show. Right. A, you should be so lucky that the show ran 380 performances. Mm -hmm. But like, let's say it's your 380th show, right? You've done this show 380 times, probably 60 times out of town, two workshops. It's been three and a half years of your life. Mm -hmm. um, and you're showing up for the one o'clock Sunday matinee that week. <laughs> Here we go. It's the early matinee. It's an eight show week. It's a holiday week. It's my ninth show of the week, whatever it is. Right. Mm -hmm. 
and running concurrent to that moment for you is a 14-year-old girl from Wichita who heard the Beetlejuice soundtrack on TikTok, fell madly in love with musical theater, bought the album, has knows every syllable of that album in the basement, whose mm -hmm. father heard her sing the songs in her room. So he saved $1,800 to be able to fly that family of five to New York City, get a hotel room, go to the theater, bring them to lunch, go eat, eat out. They probably are going to go visit Radio City. They walk through mm -hmm. Central Park. This girl's life is about to be shattered in the best way possible. Every expectation of what is possible in her life and the things that she loves is about to explode in front of her in her first Broadway show of this thing that she knows every syllable to. Mm. And meanwhile, we're in the wings going, here we go again. <laughs> yeah, It means that you have completely lost track of what it is we're doing. Mm. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? It, it um. And you are only seeing it through the singular lens of your uh, uh, lost perspective. Mm. And uh, and if I can remember at every show is that family who scraped together the money to be able to come see the show, probably because one person there in that group is desperate to see it. Mm. You know I mean, they might have brought people who were like, sure, I'll go see that. But the person who was like, can we buy tickets to that thing? usually needs to see it right yeah. and and uh, you know uh john baptiste who was the band leader for stephen colbert is now a big oscar-winning composer brilliant musician one of my favorite people alive and also somebody rooted in kindness um he said in his grammy speech recently it might have been his oscar speech but he said um you know crit criticism is one thing and it's it it's invalidated because when you make art it tends to find the people who need it most in that mm -hmm. moment. Um, and that's the thing where you're like, you're in these shows that get a bad review, get a bunch of bad reviews, <clears throat> do run long, don't run long. But the people who needed it found it while it was there. Cause I've been that person at shows that have run two weeks and at shows that have run 10 years. Right. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, just trying to, trying to see that afternoon of that one o'clock Sunday matinee through the eyes of that girl and that father who saved the money for that little girl to see the show makes you thrilled to provide that kid with that experience. If you can tap into your, when you were that person. Yes. Um, and it's the, uh, the lack of gratitude or the lost perspective that I think is when that starts to crumble away. Hmm. You're so right, because pers these perspectives and experiences, they're parallel and, and you're never going to be in somebody else's experience, but you can, I mean, across the board in life, validate it. And so even if you're up there and you guys are thinking of your groceries that you're going to buy while you're just in the, the Chuck E. Cheese robotic pattern of doing the show, which can happen when you do something that many times, honestly, That's that it. person still, <clears throat> you're going to see them and, and they didn't know any different and, and they loved it. And it's just making sure in that moment we're validating it. I mean, I just did this workshop of something they invited our family to come my sister my wife people were there we all went to dinner after and then the cast these people are sitting around shit talking the producer the director how it sucked and they're like that was great i loved it i mean it, it's just reframing that like you're saying is incredibly important because it does it becomes that that business and and you forget each audience member each person has a story and got there 
And that doesn't mean that you're not sitting around brainstorming on how things could be better, right? That doesn't mean that I go into a rehearsal process and I go like, hey, I feel like that beat, we might be able to do X or like, or hey, um, stage management. I think we were supposed to take a five like 10 minutes ago. Did we not take a five? Oh yeah, you're right. We're going to take a five. It doesn't mean that you're constantly allowing yourself to be bowled over and being taken advantage of. That's not no. what I'm talking about either. Yeah. But what I mean is at the end of the day, hey, we were supposed to take a five, 10 minutes ago so that I can go run and have a snack and go to the bathroom and continue to come back here and do the thing I dreamt of doing every day of my life that you have given me the opportunity to do. Mm. Those things, we're living in a culture right now that does not allow for mutual truths. We, we don't allow for the fact that you can be grateful to be somewhere and want it to be better. We don't live in thoughtful debate is not of interest at the moment, yeah. right? It's it's one liner quips or takedowns or or uh, whoever can make their point irrefutably in 160 characters wins. Yeah. Like and and the answer is in thoughtful debate. The answer is the answers are in mutual truths. Um, it's just, a, it's a fascinating thing. And, and I yeah. hope that, that as, as conversation and debate goes on, people will allow for gray areas because the answers yes. are, are in there. Yeah. Living in the gray. That's what I always strive to do because it's for some reason in the society, black or white, we have so many communities, which is great. I mean, we have our, our artists, community actors, we have these things where we check a box that we're in this group but then that also can be very divisive because everyone's in these separate groups and they can paint one a certain way and whatever it is, which is why I admire you. Because again, I think you took this kind of like straight male and musical theater, whatever persona has to play these certain parts and made it this like more sensitive, funny, quirky, new situation that I could kind of look up to and, and see myself in. And I admire you for that in so many reasons. I also, speaking of respecting boundaries, have to let you go because I, I've gone a little bit over time, but Okay. My, my wife took Sadie to the library, so I'm okay on time. <laughs> oh, a magical place, honestly, for stories. And I might want to go there after this, but I would just love if you could leave us with a tangible kindness tip or something that you think each listener could do just to spread kindness into their own circle and, and life. When someone does something that moves you in a positive way, pull them aside privately and tell them it seems like such a um i cannot tell you what it does for someone if you are in a rehearsal if you're at the grocery store if you're somewhere and you observe someone do something even if it was like you know you see a teenage boy and 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 someone at the grocery store drops something and he runs over and picks it up and gives it to her mm. It's startling to have somebody go, hey, man, that was cool. Mm -hmm. That person might not even thought twice. So I just gave that person that thing. But having someone go like, um, I just saw your heart. Hey, I, just so you know, I just saw your heart. Mm. And you go like, I didn't even know that I, I didn't even recognize that I had done something kind or that I had done something in the case of rehearsal. Going up to somebody after they vulnerably sing their ballad for the first time in front of everyone. Mm -hmm. We all assume that they know they did a good job or 
uh, they're in this business, they know. But do you know what it does for somebody who like over lunch break in the re- in the rehearsal room where you go like, I was, that was extraordinary. Mm. Even if they roll their eyes, right? Even if they go like, oh, I'm working on it. Yeah. They, that got in. Yeah. They, how they deal with it getting in might be them going, Meh. which a lot of people, that's how they deal with kindness, right? Yeah. You look amazing today. Yeah. <laughs> that's how, but it still gets in. Yeah. Then a day later, they text you or that night, they're like, I just want to know you to know, like, that really did make my day, you know? Yeah. I, 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 like g- going up to, uh, you know, I remember, you know, Jerry Zachs would be directing a moment and there somebody would be having a there there'd be like the brink of a confrontation. Mm. You'd see him like tactfully say the right thing to dispel that thing. Mm. And then going up to him later and going like I just observed what you did to like put a band-aid on that moment mm-hmm. and tactfully keep the ball moving forward. That was impressive. And they go like they might laugh it off. They might go like I didn't know you noticed that, you know. I here's a here's a good example. When we were, uh, I was teching a show and there was a kid in the show and uh, the kid was like, just, we were standing around in tech and, uh, and the kid was like, wow, this is taking a long time. Hmm. And I said, Hey, do you want to know what's taking a long time? And he was like, what? I was like, behind that light board, which you can't see in the dark is Phil Rosenberg, who is like an award-winning lighting designer who is trying to figure out how to light you on a Broadway stage. And you see the kid go like, well, I feel special. What Mm -hmm. I didn't know is that Phil heard me because I'm miked Mm -hmm. and I wasn't in the house, but it was in their headsets. So Phil comes up to me on the dinner break and goes like, you reminded me of who I am and what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. And it just was, it was something that lifted me up in a way I didn't know that I needed. But it's those moments where like just taking a second and not shouting from the rooftop, not going online and saying like, you are the most amazing thing. It's not about that. It's a, it's about. Um... Although I'm at Rob Peter Paul, if anyone wants to tag me in, <laughs> in some kind of post like that. Yeah. If, uh, if likes or follows is the intention of the compliment, it's not a compliment, yeah. but, the, but the, uh, it's in those pri- quiet moments, it's in those private moments where even if somebody rolls their eyes or, or lets the compliment fall off their shoulder, you, you, they heard you mm. and uh, and what it can do for someone uh, you don't know. And you don't know how much they need that that day. I've, I've said something to somebody and they said, really, I feel like I am phoning it in today because my cat is sick and we took it to the vet this morning and I'm just scraping by. But mm. thank you for letting me know that my ability to compartmentalize in that moment was working because <laughs> yeah. it, it didn't feel like it was. So thank yeah. you. You know what I mean? Like it's so important. Yeah, it's it's a, it's so simple. It's so simple, but talk. It is simple, and it's even simpler than what we do, which is in a lot of these rehearsal rooms. And as you kind of progress and go into different rooms, you find, like you said, people just assume that the people know they're there because they're talented, or they got the role because they're talented. Right. And you can read as green when you're like, "I'm a fan. I think you're wonderful." Whatever it is, but then we take the time in these rooms when something goes wrong. And we, we feed that to fix it. So when something's really beautiful and is right, why can't we take the second to just say, I'm vocally going to tell you that you're wonderful and, or, or whatever, text them later and whatever it is. Because it's it does... usually, be, yeah, totally. It's usually yeah. because we are, uh, theater has a certain amount of urgency. And actually, yeah. any of these, theater, TV, film, 
all of those atmospheres create a time is money atmosphere, mm -hmm. right? And part of the time is money atmosphere is no news is good news. Yeah. No, yeah. no news is good news. Unless I come over to you and, and tell you that there's a problem, assume you're doing great. Mm. And it's not that we all need validation every two seconds, right? We don't need yeah. the director going, that was perfect. Yeah. But somebody leaning over and going like, your taps are so clean. Yeah. <laughs> and make somebody's day, you know? Yeah. Uh, and because you mean it, mm. not because you noticed it and you mean it, not because um, you're trying to be some like force for good. It's just, it's just uh, you, you thought it. So why not let them know? Mm. And it, it trains you over time in a way to just see more positive things too as a person and have a happier life. <laughs> totally. Instead of just announcing all the negative things that go wrong, like, oh, right before I came on here, my computer fell down and I couldn't plug in my ring light, like my ring light broke. You know, it's, it's like I get to talk to one of my idols, you know, kind of just retraining that is an important thing. It, uh, well, and also, I mean, not, not to get into a cyclical loop here, you casually throwing out that me being one of your idols, I might go like, oh my God, that's crazy. But I heard it. And it's uh, it's humbling. It's humbling and it, it, it does the opposite of give me a big head. It makes me go like, that's crazy to me because I, I, I still feel like I'm climbing. I still feel like I'm climbing. There are days I feel like I'm drowning. There are days where I feel like I so, you know, that I have no idea what I'm doing. So the fact that anyone from afar is going like, that's cool. You don't, you don't know it. And then somebody says it to you and you go like, Hey, wow, I, I need to earn that. I need to, I need to maintain whatever it is that they see in me that, that brings them joy or, or inspiration or validity or whatever it is, validation. Um, uh, but it also just feels nice. It just genuinely feels nice. And I feel like, uh, Jen Colella was one of those people in my life who just voiced compliments would just, mm -hmm. uh, uh, she, we first worked together in a workshop of Chaplin and she would just, uh, to anybody about anything, she would just voice the instinct. Mm -hmm. Um, and I saw what it would do for people, you know? Um, and I've also seen on the flip side of that, I've seen the people who are like, so nice, so nice. So, and then the door closes on someone. Mm -hmm. And they start to rag on that person. Yeah. And then they do it to somebody else. They do it to somebody else. And then you notice that they are nothing but sugar and sweet to you. Mm -hmm. So I have no reason to believe that when the door closes, you don't do that to me too. Yeah. So while you, while you might think that you are maintaining the illusion for someone because you've never treated them poorly, people are watching how you treat other people and assume that that continues about them when when they're not around. Mm -hmm. So the, the the ongoing conflation of your behavior, regardless of who it's targeted at, it, it ripples out in more ways than you realize, positive yeah. or negative. No, you're so right. And you're reminding me too, the only thing that's useful for like that fake put on niceness is sometimes you fall into a rut with the people you take for granted that you live with and that can always see your true self and that are always seeing how you really feel and how this sucks and yeah. that sucks. Maybe you could sometimes tap into that little color with your paintbrush and, and paint that on to say, oh, I'm actually going to give you the same grace today that I just gave the person at the grocery store yes. and put on my fake smile for. Because oh my gosh, totally. You know? So I, I think so many things you just said were wonderful. I could talk to you for like 10 more hours, but I'm going to okay. let you go. And I, I really just appreciate you coming here 
with an open heart. And it, they say, don't meet your idols. But if it's Rob McClure, I think you're safe oh. doing that because honestly, man, you're just, you're not only good as a talent, but you seem to be such a good person. And I, I wish there were more people we could look up to like you in the industry. And I know there are people, but just by being yourself and, and leading with kindness, you're doing your part to change our business for the better. So thank Thanks. you, sir. It's my pleasure. Yeah, this was great. I'll keep you posted when it comes out and uh, best to your fam. Thank you. Thank you for these kind words. Thank you. Bye. More soon. Bye-bye. And now it's time for your kindness tip of the week. For the record, friends, I support the Writers Guild of America's writer's strike. In the coming weeks, I'm doing my best to have on some incredible writers and showrunners to discuss their careers, kindness, and the strike. If you're wondering what the strike really boils down to is paying these creatives what they're worth. The existing contract that they've been working under was created before the explosion of streaming content, and it needs to be updated. The way it's set up right now, writers on some of our favorite TV shows don't earn enough to support themselves for a full year. We're going to get more into this together, but for your kindness tip of the week, please head to WGA.org to learn more. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, dear listeners. I'm sending nothing but love your way. Until next time, please remember, everything is going to be a-okay. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.